And we learn that she is in love with Carl. Not only is she in love with her coworker Carl, but everybody knows that she is in love with Carl, including Carl. Carl. But she's extreme. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I just put that together. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, this might be one of Sarah's quick facts, but we need to acknowledge the fact <laughs> that Andrew Lincoln is also in this movie. He's a big part of this movie. And Sarah didn't realize that that guy is Rick from The Walking Dead mm -hmm. TV show. Yeah, I had no idea. Carl! <laughs> Carl! Carl! <laughs> Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. And also like you, I love romantic comedies. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have... Love, love Actually. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, please follow us so that you're updated on new episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram account at Romcom Rewind. We have lots of conversations about the movies we've done and what's coming next. Love Actually is directed by Richard Curtis. This guy is like your king of British romantic comedy. Throughout the years, working title films and writer Richard Curtis have captured the euphoria, hysteria, and humiliation of love. With the films Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, and Bridget Jones's Diary. He's done About Time, which that's super underrated. And he's also done Four Weddings and a Funeral. I think most people consider this and like The Holiday as kind of the two quintessential holiday romantic comedy must-haves. Those two movies are ones that people go back to really often around this time of the year. And Love actually is an ensemble cast. Lots of storylines happening. So so there's lots to keep track of. How do you want to tackle this? Do you want to kind of do like overall thoughts and then go into each storyline individually? Uh, so this, like you said, is um, a serious Christmas classic. I don't know anyone who hasn't seen it before or at least who hasn't heard of it. I haven't seen this movie in years only because parts of it make me really sad um, <laughs> but I do like that it keeps things realistic and it's not you know your typical Hallmark movie where everything ends up hunky-dory and perfect in the end. It's real, it's emotional, there are parts of the movies I still don't necessarily love but overall huh. it's a stellar movie. I think uh, I think you're right in that like with an ensemble cast you can kind of have every different type of love story and not all of them are nice and happy and and some of them some of them start off right off the bat with cheating which we see and some of them have cheating midway through and we see that as well some of them are young love some of them are forbidden love <laughs> we'll say. but like you can have all these different types of stories and it, it lends a more realistic approach yeah i agree i think we should start with the debate okay the debate being what is the greatest christmas romantic comedy of all time, because immediately, if you're listening, you just you either thought, "Ooh, it's the holiday," or you thought, "Ooh, it's love." Actually, <laughs> where do you fall in this spectrum? I really like the holiday still. Whoa, okay, so yeah. I think I think this is the best Christmas romantic comedy. Okay, so why why are you all for love? Actually, like, don't you just love an ensemble cast? Maybe maybe it's because it's that. 
it's like, hey, here's Hugh Grant. He's the prime minister. He wants to bang his secretary. And whoa, whoa, now, now there's <laughs> Professor Snape over here. He's kind of a <laughs> human. And then we're going to jump to. And he is <laughs> having sex with his assistant. Okay, is that, it's implied. Well, we it is implied. I okay. shouldn't say that he is. Um, yeah, I think it's an implied that he's had, having an affair. Yeah. We never, you know, yeah, it never gets there, but. And then we're going to jump to Colin Firth trying to communicate with this Portuguese lady. And, and, and now we're back to Hugh Grant. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm getting I'm getting my fill of every different type of romantic comedy in one movie. And we're not even skimping out on the actors on this one. We've, we've got a star-studded yeah, cast. It is very star-studded. But I think for me, I, like I said, stellar movie. Really like it. Um, but there's a lot going on. And yes. I think that goes back to he's just not that into you. It's hard to sometimes keep track of all the storylines. Like, there's nine in this movie. Um, God, that's more than he's not. He's just it, not yes, that into yeah. you. Yeah. So sometimes, like, throughout the movie, I'd be like, okay, okay who's that? Who, how are they connected again? How are, how are their stories oh, intertwined? I still don't know the connections. Yeah, um, no. So that that took a little bit of time. But but yeah, ultimately, I mean, this is a great movie. I'm still all for The Holiday. Um, I think I, it had some really cute moments, really funny moments. The Holiday wins uh, Best Male Protagonist. In Jude Law. I'll give him oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. Like, no no holiday romantic comedy can ever touch that guy. But just an overall story, th there's a little bit more. I, I think you need a fun uh, director who can mesh a lot of stories together. And I think you need actors who can hit their comedic timing. And there's something about British actors, but it's like, I think all of them can be funny. And all of them have funny moments in this. Yeah, but I think something that I liked from The Holiday is that they dove deeper into the connection with each other, right? Like, even though, yeah. you know, it was only over two weeks span, the connection that they made was a lot more believable than some of the ones done in this movie. I know there's an argument brewing. <laughs> and the, the two-week number is very important in that argument, so... Okay, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> I but, don't know what um, you're talking about, so... I think I've proven my case that this is the better no, uh, holiday it's not. to come. No, it's so not. No, no. The connection is better with the holiday. <laughs> uh, you, you can build it This has been story. my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that. Uh, which of these stories do you want to jump into first? Because there's a um, lot. Let's jump into uh, Hugh Grant and uh, Martine McCutcheon. Okay, we have David, the David, Prime yes. Minister... Of the UK, the the fresh new prime minister. Brand new. And we have Natalie, Martine McCutcheon. So she is a member of his household staff at 10 Downing Street. And right off the start, he's kind of meeting, you know, the, the people who are going to be staffing for him. She kind of makes an ass of herself in front of the rest of the staff. I think she kisses him. And then she like says some swear words, which is... <laughs> Swears like a trucker, yeah. Yeah, like a trucker. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, but, but, but it's interesting because then David kind of goes into his office and he sits down and he kind of has this moment of like, ah, oh, that's going to be a problem. And you realize what he just realized in that, hey, there's love blossoming here. They're going to fall in love. And I actually quite liked their um, their love story was was really, really cool. They, they actually own one of my best scenes. Oh, I think this is one of my favorite storylines. Um, I hated the part where Billy Bob Thornton, who plays the U.S. president, tries something on her. That, like, you know, left me icky. But otherwise, I like their love story. It sucks that he lets her go, though, because he f starts to, feel like, fall in love with her. Yeah. But instead of talking about the incident with the U.S. president, he lets her go because he's starting to have feelings for her. Like, I can only imagine for her what she was thinking um, when she was transferred to somewhere else. For some reason, Billy Bob Thornton, in any role, he always yeah. is kind of like, 
unsavory. Icky. Yeah, yeah he's, he's kind of, well, he can play the icky guy easily. He Maybe can. it's just because he played Bad Santa that oh one my time. God, yeah, like, yeah. Wow, and then Bad Santa gross. too. <laughs> oh, was there actually a Bad Santa <laughs> yeah. too? I wasn't familiar with that. <laughs> the first one gave me my fill of horny alcoholic Santa. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, it was like, yeah, it was icky. It was icky. He plays the icky character really well. Yeah. Can I say icky anymore? Yeah, I know. Drink like, every time Sarah says icky oh tonight. Oh, my gosh. I think Professor Snape wins some ickiness as well. But uh, yeah, even Billy Bob Thornton as the president of the United States, I'm still watching him thinking, nah, this guy's kind of gross. Yeah, no, okay. So so what happens is that David, Prime Minister of the UK, has got, he's catching some feels for Natalie, his secretary. Mm-hmm. President of the United States, Billy Bob Thornton comes in, makes a pass at her. He's kind of a gross guy. Mm-hmm. And then instead of talking with her, he's like, it's easier to just get her out of here. Let's transfer her somewhere else. But like, imagine what she thinks and what she's feeling because she probably thinks like she messed up when really it was no fault of hers at all. It's probably easier as the prime minister. And did he get rid of her because the president made a pass at her and he felt something like he felt like, like, oh, that's my like, that's my Natalie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's what happened. But then he I realizes th- I'm catching feels. So she's just got to get gone. I think he could have handled it better. Did, didn't you like how he defended? <laughs> oh, there's a oh. metaphor where he defends the nation, but it's really her. For He's sure. like defending her. I love how. I think that was great. A hundred percent. Like that was, that was a really good moment. It, like that was a good scene in the movie for sure. But then he goes and gets rid of her. And I think that's the part where it's like, man, you could have done better there. I think that proves that he's not that good at his job. Like he wasn't going to defend Britain until the, the president made a pass at his girl. And now he's like, this nation is our nation and I will be stronger against you. Well, I think there's a few moments that are like, are you the prime minister of England? <laughs> <laughs> You're singing carols at the door, yeah. trying to look for your assistant. That like, is my best scene right, right? there. It's that, that so actually is funny. My best scene. Okay, so something else that, I, again, I really liked the storyline. I it was probably one of my faves, but... The fat jokes. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Those didn't age well. Like, she was not big at all in any way at at all. Like, talk about body image. Not even one joke is funny. We should be body positive. Yeah. It, It shouldn't have had any any merit in the movie yeah th- those are the only jokes that really aged poorly in my opinion who do we have now crime novelist colin firth or jamie and his portuguese maid aurelia played by lucia monez so right off the top we find out jamie colin firth his wife has been banging his brother so weird major yikes <laughs> That's a like problem. yikes a b like oh my that, god do you not find british plot lines are extremely savage in in that we don't even find out that she's cheating on him you can hear her in the other room yelling get back in here big boy before <laughs> jamie comes home oh or something like that you know it's like we're really we're cutting deep with this night. It's true. However, in Four Christmases, we have Vince Vaughn's mom, who is banging his <laughs> best friend. That like, is true. Right? Uh, what, what's worse, your childhood friend banging your mom or your brother banging? No, it's definitely the it's brother definitely, banging the wife. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He just like flies off to France and then goes to write a novel. So, yes, he, he leaves for France for the holidays. He goes to Marseille. Meets this housekeeper named Aurelia. She can't speak English. He can't speak Portuguese. Neither of them speak French very well. 
and yet they fall in love. And I actually really, really enjoyed this plot line. Yeah, I know. It's like one of your faves. It is, because Jamie trying to speak Portuguese, hilarious. He Every day he drives her home from housekeeping, and he just like tries to say things that are a mix of Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish. <laughs> yeah, he'll be I like, think so. Bella! And then he'll be like, no. <laughs> Bello! Like, what, are, what are you trying to say right now? He just like points things out. It's like endearing, but he does it in such in an adorable really, way. Like yeah. Colin Firth is strangely adorable. Is I he do not? like Colin Firth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was charming. Um, but I think, and I know you'll disagree with me on this, but oh, it was interesting. It, it was interesting to me that you could fall in love with somebody so quickly and never really have spoken a word to each other in the same language. Yeah, it's adorable. Um, like not really super realistic in like a matter of two weeks. He very cutely learns Portuguese and then goes back to her in France and proposes to her right then and there. To her, her father. I Like I have a few issues because you don't even really know each other. She was your housekeeper right after you caught your wife cheating on you with your brother. Okay, a little bit of a rebound. Right? (laughs) Like, that was a rebound. But no, it wasn't like, hey, do you want to go out for a cup of coffee? It was like, hey, you were my housekeeper for two weeks. Do you want to marry me? Um, I learned Portuguese to ask you to marry me. It's cute. It's cute. It's they have an energy. They're connecting on each other's energy. Like I said, it is cute. It's charming. But I think there's some like questions, you know? It's like I think love finds a way, Sarah. Okay. He leaves France to go back. Like he's not there yeah. for the full month anyway. So they get like they they probably get a, a full two weeks together. I see this is the thing. I'm watching how they interact, and I actually do believe Wow, something magical wow. is happening here. Maybe, <laughs> was that an Owen Wilson wow? I just, wow. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I actually did believe it, though. I believe there was an energy. Maybe not Maybe not proposing yeah, okay. to her in so, front of your father, and you know what? I th- her father. Yeah, I think that's definitely, like, for the movie, because I don't know if someone would, in that position, propose. Maybe, like, they would start a relationship together Mm. sure you know it's a little far-fetched that he'd propose by the way if you are streaming this on like amazon prime or something turn on the captions for their interactions especially when he goes back to marseille to tell aurelia he loves her (laughs) because he shows up at her father's house and it ends up like being a very bizarre game of telephone because he's speaking like very broken portuguese to them it starts off he says like i want to marry your daughter bro and the father turns around he's like yeah my daughter's right here wrong daughter (laughs) <laughs> and then so then Jamie's like no 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 your other daughter and the father <laughs> the first daughter is like are you gonna sell Aurelia to this English man and he's like I don't know I might pay him who, who knows and then they're walking down the street and this whole crowd is following them and it ends up being like hey so and so is selling his daughter to be a slave to this English guy and then it became this English guy is here to kill Aurelia and it <laughs> It, it becomes is. very, very... It is so funny. It's like a game of Portuguese telephone. How far would you go for someone you loved then? Like, he went and learned Portuguese to go back to France to ask her to marry him. Yeah. And she actually, while he was gone, learned English. Yes. Which is... It's adorable. That is really cute. But now they're going to get married. Like, it yeah. just... <laughs> it's adorable, Sarah. Oh, my God. I mean, I've been on Duolingo... The app trying to bone up on my French, not going well, let me tell you. And it's been like a year and a half of that. <laughs> I even took French in high school, so like it should be going well. 
Uh, so next we have graphic designer Sarah, played by Laura Linney, and Ugh. Carl, played by Rodrigo Santoro. This is the only storyline that I didn't really love. She works at Harry, Professor Snape's design agency, and we learn that she is in love with Carl. Not only is she in love with her coworker Carl, but everybody knows that she is in love with Carl, including Carl. Carl! But she's extreme. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I just put that together. Oh my God, that's amazing. Okay, this might be one of Sarah's quick facts, but we need to acknowledge the fact (laughs) that Andrew Lincoln is also in this movie. He's a big part of this movie. And Sarah didn't realize that that guy is Rick from The Walking Dead Mm -hmm. TV show. Yeah, I had no idea. Carl! (laughs) Carl! Carl! <laughs> and I just put two and two together that um, there's also Rodrigo's a character named Carl. Car- character name in the movie is Carl. Oh, that's super confusing. <laughs> God, this movie is confusing. You know what? The holiday wins just because it's easier to talk about. <laughs> so anyway, Sarah, Laura Linney, really, really shy, is in love with Carl, <laughs> but she's having a difficult time trying to connect with them. And that's kind of their storyline of her. She, she's got some some background. Um, things with her brother. He's not doing well with his mental health, I think we gather. But they just kind of have this, she's too afraid to say how she feels, and he's just there being very attractive. Yeah, I was going to say, he's being, he's there being real hot. <laughs> he doesn't say much, but <laughs> no. he just has this presence of, ooh. He probably ooh, has like 10 lines in the entire movie. Yeah. And like, he just needs to just stand there. So, okay, this is another one, though, where we don't really see them talk to each other much. Whoa, whoa. We see Jamie and Aurelia talk. It's just they don't Okay, communication. Yeah, communication <laughs> might be an issue here. Um, but I... <laughs> Which relationship has more of a communication issue, Jamie and Aurelia or Sarah and Carl? Oh, Sarah and Carl. You're right. Down. Rest my case. Like I said, I like, I find... Jamie and Aurelia, like, it's a charming, cute, you know, storyline, but I do find that there's some holes. I didn't say I didn't like it. Okay. I just had some questions. Love. You know? This one, however, though, I think the storyline was really real. Um, Like, we all have stuff going on in our lives that keeps us busy, family, friends, just things that we need to take care of. I think this showed that sometimes things don't work out because many reasons. Um... But not that they necessarily weren't good for each other, but, you know, different priorities, different things to take care of. Um, also that it isn't always easy. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. It's it's not always simple. And, and they don't end up together at the end, do they? Yeah, no, they don't. And, and sometimes that happens. Exactly. And that's okay. And which is funny because some of the other storylines, like Jamie and Aurelia, where they fall in love so easily without even speaking the same language. Like, it was just interesting. Different storylines um, portrayed love being easier d- despite different... Um, issues arising. Yeah, but they just have that connection, Sarah. No, and I agree. They had the connection and Sarah and Carl didn't. Or it didn't work out because, you know, different things were happening in their lives and it just wasn't the right time. But it was, you know, it was it was a very real storyline. So next up is husband and wife, Karen and Harry, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Harry, like Sarah said, is played by Alan Rickman, or you may recognize him as Professor Snape. <laughs> From Harry Potter. And he is kind of sour in the same way that Professor Snape is he sour. Is, he's definitely got that under undertone mm. of sarcasm, you know? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. It's like he just drank some 
it's not quite bad milk, but it's like a little bit, mm, this milk doesn't taste. It's going to go bad tomorrow. This doesn't taste quite right. <laughs> he just always has that face. <laughs> He's a director of a design agency, the same one that Sarah and Carl work at. He's married to Karen, Emma Thompson, but ends up maybe having an affair with Mia. Yeah, we're not like 100% sure. He definitely bought her a Christmas gift. Definitely having an emotional affair. Yes. And Mia is his secretary, played by, I'm going to mess up this name, Heike Makach. So it's that Harry is married to Karen, but his secretary, Mia, is definitely hitting on him. They have a Christmas party. She's definitely flirting with him. Like right in front of her. And Mia implies, hey, are you going to buy me something for Christmas kind of thing? And he's like, what do you want? Something pretty. Do you I want, want a stapler? Nice. That's yeah, what he, he says, do you want some stationery? God. And he ends up purchasing for her a three uh, a necklace worth 300 pounds. And poor Karen gets home. She realizes there's something in his coat pocket, looks in, sees the necklace, and she thinks, oh it's my so God. Sad. Wow, he bought me I hate this such part. an amazing present. Yeah. And Christmas Day comes, and there's a, <laughs> a, a rectangular-shaped box, or a square-shaped box, <laughs> She's thinking, ooh, that's the necklace, opens it up. It's a Joni Mitchell (laughs) CD. Yeah, and he thinks he's so good because he didn't buy her scarf like he does every other year, but he bought her a Joni Mitchell CD. Because she's been talking about how much she loves Joni Mitchell, and she realizes in that moment he must be cheating on me Mm -hmm. because he bought a necklace for somebody who is not his wife. Yes. I think that recognition scene has become a, a big moment in this movie. That people only remember two scenes. They remember how Professor Snape was a piece of shit <laughs> and Rick from The Walking Dead and the 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 whiteboard moment with the carolers and stuff, which we're going to get into. That's a whole other thing. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. For me, there's another scene that I'll talk about later that is iconic for me. Oh, which one? Um, oh, well, you'll talk I'm about gonna it later. I'm going to talk about okay. it later. That's a nice tease. It's my best scene. Good hook. Um, but yeah, I would think that definitely the uh, whiteboard scenes with Mark. Um, and and yeah, this one. I definitely, when I think of this movie, when I think of the sad parts, I, I for sure think of this storyline. This was heartbreaking. Like it they is. stuck the knife in yeah. and then they twisted it around. And, yeah. and Emma Thompson, as an actress, in that moment, I felt every part of pain that she was feeling. Yes. It was so real and raw. So she, she actually took... Um, a real life heartbreak to fuel the scenes um, with like with the finding out of the oh, affair wow. and stuff. Oh, quick fact. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll throw that in there now. But yeah, I felt so bad for her. Like she was a great person, a great mom, a great wife, did everything for her kids and her husband. And then her husband goes and has an affair. Like when she finds that necklace, I like I feel so bad for her in that moment. And then she goes in the room and listens to her new Joni Mitchell CD oh. and just cries. And like, I think, I mean, I don't think it, I did this time, but like in the past, like I've, I've teared up cause I just feel so bad. The emotion is so raw. Like you said, freaking assistant Mia kind of want to kick her in the head. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people want to kick her. Yeah. In the head. Okay. I want to kick her in the head. I don't want to kind of, I want to definitely want to kick her in the head. I like the, you touched on this, the moment right after she realizes though, because they, they need to go somewhere. They're, yeah. they're going to that, that play, right, that night? So everybody needs to get ready. And she is obviously in emotional distress, but she says, no, nah, you know what, I just, I just need to take a moment in the bedroom. She puts on that Joni Mitchell album and has a, has a really good cry. But it's also 
the kid's got to go somewhere. Like, he's getting them packed up, and you're just having a, a nice good cry in the bedroom over it. But, it, like, it, and then she comes out and still is that strong person to to be there for her kids and, like, yeah. to pretend like everything's okay. Like, that's that's hard. So next we have widower Liam Neeson and his stepson, Thomas Brody Sangster. So we have Sam, and we have... Daniel is Liam and we Neeson. Have Daniel. So Sam's in love with a girl from school, and his stepdad who is Daniel, tells him that he, to get her attention before she leaves to go back to the U.S. for Christmas, he needs to have a big gesture. So he learns the drums for the Christmas pageant. Sam uh, lost his mom. The The first couple scenes we see with Daniel is that Liam Neeson is at the funeral of his wife. And now him as a stepdad mm-hmm. is the father of, the, the single father of Sam. It strengthens the relationship between Daniel and Sam in that they are... It's kind of like their one focus now. Obviously, we're grieving over the one we lost, but it's like we're trying to figure out this love situation with Sam. And I thought that was a really cool bonding situation. And the airport scene? That was BS. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. That is cool. my what should have been. Okay. <laughs> the airport is the what should have been. Next up, we have new bride Juliet, played by Kira Knightley, and her husband's BF. F. Mark Andrew Lincoln. And we have uh, her husband Peter. Right. The triangle with just two sides. Yeah, it's a triangle. It's just Peter is not aware that there is a love triangle here. Right. And for a while, Juliet isn't really aware either, but then she becomes aware. So this storyline has the most iconic scene from this movie, which is the whiteboard thing. But there's a problem with that scene and also this entire storyline. And in fact, this genuinely may ruin the movie for you. You can skip ahead if you like. But I'm going to argue. That our guy Mark, a.k.a. Rick from The Walking Dead, he's been trying to steal Peter's fiance and eventual wife the entire time. Um, Mark is the main villain in this story. Okay, explain. We don't need that 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 scene with the with the white cards with the cute not cards. cute. Yeah, yeah, with the cute cards, it's not cute. Well, I think it's cute, not in the circumstance oh. where it happens. But why don't you go through the different moments, the the, the different scenes with All this right. triangle? All right. Okay. I'll, so I'll we'll make my case. We'll start out with the wedding ceremony. Oh, the wedding ceremony. It's okay. It's super fun. I liked the wedding performers. I would like to know though. Like, you really didn't know who set that up. Oh, no. Mark definitely set it up. Oh, he did, That was implied, eh? yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I thought, but then then it was kind of like not. Do you remember the first words they exchanged with each other? No. What are they? Peter says, do you promise there are no surprises to Mark? Mark says, no surprises. Peter says, not like the bachelor party with the Brazilian prostitutes who turned out to be men. (laughs) What kind of a guy... Gets Brazilian prostitutes for his best man's bachelor party. Especially ones that turn out to be men. I would argue that Mark knew those Brazilian prostitutes were men. And he was trying to create a wedge in the relationship. By hiring prostitutes. Prostitutes, yeah. Brazilian prostitutes that turned out to be men, as they said. Then he one-ups the man at his own wedding with a choir and a singer and the band being hidden in the crowd. That I could see as more believable but uh, I, I he's ignoring her like he ignores her he pretends he doesn't like her he doesn't talk to her yeah because you're playing like, hard he, to get he is a no i don't think that's hard to get i think he's just literally avoiding her you, you can't play this straight up because that's that's your best friend's wife i think he would like to tell her how he feels but he is best friends with peter so he isn't gonna cross that line 
Until, of course, she goes to his office and finds the wedding video, and it's just of her, her face dancing, laughing, smiling, and then she realizes... <laughs> She realizes that he loves her, and then he runs away before they can even, like, talk about it. Okay, let's backtrack a bit here. So, yes, you're right. He ends up capturing all of these images from their wedding, and their actual wedding photographer ended up sucking. So Juliet says, hey, Mark, let me come over. I want to take a look at these. Yeah, and he's like, no, I don't want you to come. Because Again, deflecting. Get away from me. Which... Is also kind of strange because he has all these images of her. Yeah, and it's just really on creepy. A v- VHS. No, it is also well, one. What are you going to do with them? That is creepy. How uncomfortable would that moment actually be where you're sitting there and it's like, oh, this is of my wedding. And every image is better, not of the couple. It's it's just of you. Better question. How often does he watch it? I would think he's going to murder me at that point. Well, you know, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> it is. creepy. Thank you. It's creepy. I'm sorry to all the people who think this is the most adorable storyline. I hope I'm not ruining the movie. Okay, well, and then comes an iconic moment when the declaration of love on her front step where he comes with cue cards and tells her to tell her husband that it's carol singers. So, of course, she does, which I'm like, the guy never talks to you. But anyway, um, there's so much wrong with this. It's carol singers. Give him a quit and tell him to bugger off. Right, and on the cue cards, he reveals... You know, on Christmas, you need to tell the truth. And the truth is, my wasted heart will always be yours. Yeah, so now's the time. Like, now's the time that you're going to tell her. Like, she's married. Like, She is now she's married happy. to your best friend. Yeah. She finds these creepy videos in your office <laughs> of her. And you're going to tell her now that you love her, even when she's like a mummy? <laughs> like, decaying? What, what, what's the over-under that uh, he's actually a serial killer and we're going to oh find that out? Like, I mean, uh, some, of, some of the activity here is a little bit... It's not a little bit. It's definitely sketchy. So, so the cue card moment happens, yeah. and then, then yes, what happens? Yes, okay. So, like, first off, dude, she's married to your best friend. Like, some best friend you are. But she's totally shitty too because she runs out and kisses him like why are you giving him hope like right. are you gonna leave peter are you gonna leave peter to, for him i think she like, is i think that she is too but like i just it's really weird no i i completely i had that written down yeah the fact that she goes out and kisses him i don't think it necessarily means she's gonna leave peter yeah but i think that's sketchy in a way of maybe you're leaving the door open in case something bad happens uh, with peter. no 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 it's not maybe she is definitely leaving she the door is open. leaving yep. the door open she's giving him hope like the only thing people know about this movie sometimes is just oh it's like the cue card scene i mean in itself it is a cute gesture not in this context. Not, not with the entire story behind exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like outside of this weird triangle thing, it is really cute. Like how cute would that be? But not in the way that it's it ends up being. Next, we have rocker Bill Knight and his manager, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. It's just Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a last One name. One syllable. <laughs> You tried to make it two syllables, just like how they tried to make their song extra syllables. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. Christmas is all around me, and so let it snow. I, I don't even know. Um, and uh, his manager, Joe, is played by Gregor Fisher. I was surprised that I still remembered the lyrics to this song, though, in the opening credits, like, Love is All Around Us. And I was singing along, and I was like, whoa, I haven't seen this movie in a while, and I, I know all of the lyrics. I love their storyline. It's really cute. Because it's this uh, 
you know, the Mick Jagger type is what I picture, the British musician who's banged a lot of women, done a ton of illicit drugs, and now he's kind of this <laughs> this shriveled up old man who's kind of sarcastic and a little bit sassy, but he's got some charisma to him where, where you just, you can't help yourself but like him. And it is really hilarious that he's just extremely open about how horrible the song he created is. And it's <laughs> yes. really endearing where he's like, guys, this is, I think he calls it a festering turd of an album at some point. How do you think the new record compares to your old classic stuff? Oh, come on, Mikey. You know as well as I do, the record's crap. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if number one this Christmas wasn't some smug teenager, but an old ex-heroin addict searching for a comeback at any price. All those young popsters come Christmas Day, they'll be stretched out naked with a cute bird balancing on their balls. And I'll be stuck in some dingy flat with my manager, Joe, ugliest man in the they're world. They're like best friends, and they are they just go through life and rocking out, making terrible albums, and... Yeah. And sometimes that's what love is. Yeah. You know, it's it's a guy and his best friend who's also his co-worker, and they just spend so much time together that on Christmas, when you could be anywhere else, I'd rather just be with that guy who I'm yeah. always hanging out with, right? So the body doubles of an erotic drama, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, who oh play Judy and John. John and Judy. So they scatter these two throughout the movie. I think simply for comedic effect. Agreed, Yes. It's so cute and funny, and I totally forgot about it because a lot of times TV broadcasting stations cut this storyline out because it's too risque. Oh, no. Well, yeah. I guess they can't show the boobs. Is that the problem? Well, I think just in general, like the fact that there are body doubles for an erotic drama. It's a nice break in the more serious plot lines, and it goes to show you that um, that you can meet the love of your life anywhere or doing anything. I love the contrast <laughs> of how... Um, they are oftentimes in very compromised situations. Totally. And they're naked and he's touching her boobs. But yet they are, and they can be so professional doing that and so uncomfortable and shy talking to each other. Like they do have a chemistry, but it's also a very like, he's so nervous about asking her out. Meanwhile, her face is like right beside his junk, mm -hmm. simulating a blowjob. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I think you guys could probably get past this. And the other comedic uh, storyline was Chris Marshall, uh, or Colin was his character's name, who dreams of American girls. Uh, so he's right. Uh, his character goes to America and he uses his accent to pick up not one, not two, not three, but four girls in Wisconsin. It's a bit of a comedic relief storyline, I think, um, which is really all about attraction and exaggerated infatuation. It is, however, a really funny addition to the movie. Is he right in that, like, like what's the... Are you going to talk about accents right now? Yeah, what, what's the accent versus attractiveness algorithm? Oh. So I do think a not overly attractive guy... Gets more attractive Gets more attractive British. when he when he has an accent, yeah. So so what's the number? Can, can we scale this out? So if we're on a scale of 1 to 10 in attractiveness, and there's a guy who is a solid 5. Okay. A British accent makes him a what? Is it like a 1.5 edition? Like yeah, he goes I, up I would to a say, six and a half? yeah, I would say like a six and a half or two, almost two points. Yeah. Almost two points? It depends. It depends. Oh my God. It depends what we're working with. So does that work backwards in that, you know, we all think Jude Law is extremely attractive. Is it just his accent? No, he's genuinely attractive. Is he actually that attractive? <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I, I agree with that. I was just making sure that you agree with that. Yes. Because he is attractive. Yeah. Quick facts. 
So Love Actually has a sequel that is 10 minutes long and includes a handful of the original cast that was in the movie. It was created in 2017 for charity and shows what the cast has been up to since the movie in 2003. This movie was one of Martin Freeman's first films. Um, so you'll rec- yeah, you'll recognize him from playing Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit series, but Love Actually was his third filming project since he launched his career back in 1997. The actress who plays Joanna in the film, her name is Olivia Olson. So this is Sam's love interest. She is now a voiceover actor and has been in things such as the Powerpuff Girls and Phineas and Ferb. I thought I recognized her, but obviously I I don't recognize her because she's a voiceover artist. So that <laughs> that must be incorrect. The airport footage was filmed by the crew members and was actually real hidden footage. They got permission from everyone after they secretly were filmed, and they wanted authentic reactions from uh, seeing loved ones at the airport arriving. I was wondering about that, like especially at the end where they kind of have this big, huge montage mm-hmm. of all these moments at the airport. Yeah, it was real. It brought the movie home for me. <laughs> you know, the, like this movie was a lot of different arcs, and we kind of needed something to bring them all together. So the fact that everybody's meeting at the airport, and then you have all these real images mm-hmm. of people meeting at the it airport. Special. It is special. And genuinely, if, if you are at an airport at the arrivals area for a little while, you see these moments all the time. You do. And it is really adorable. Mm-hmm. So we all remember the scene where Jamie uh, loses half his book in the lake. That lake was only 11 inches deep. So since it was so shallow, they had to pretend to be swimming when they were really lying on the bottom of the lake. Kira Knightley and Thomas Brody Sangster were both teenagers when they filmed this movie. Kira, That's weird. Yeah. Kira plays Juliet. She was 18 years old. And Thomas, who plays the little boy Sam, was 13. So there's only five years difference between the... The two actors. So it's kind of weird because Andrew Lincoln was Andrew 30 Lincoln when they was filled, 30. Filled this, yeah. yeah. So now um, Thomas Brody Sangster is 30 and Kira Knightley is 35. Thomas Brody Sangster learned how to play the drums for this role. And you may also recognize him from Game of Thrones. He plays Jojen Reed and the movie, he was also in The Maze Runner. This is weird. I guess Billy Bob Thornton has a fear of antique furniture. Oh my God, of course he would. Like, I That's just. ridiculous. I don't really understand this. But anyway, um, according to the New Zealand Herald, um, Hugh Grant would often go out of his way to point out antiques while on set just to mess just with like, them. Hey, that, that looks really old. <laughs> how, how do you have a fear of antiques? I don't well, understand. So that's my question. I don't really understand it. Like, what are you, what are you afraid of? Like, that they're going to fall apart or that they're going to come to life? Like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Is this like a Beauty and the Beast thing where Billy they Bob all become a alive? Guy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he saw Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that tea kettle, guys. That's, yeah. that's scary. <laughs> So originally, there were uh, 14 love stories in the movie. Two were cut during writing, and the other two um, were shot and cut in post-filming. What were the ones cut? So the ones cut uh, during the writing, uh, there was one about a girl in a wheelchair and another one about a boy who records a love song for a classmate who ultimately ends up hooking up with um, his, his drummer. In his oh, band. That's kind of sad. Yeah. And then the ones cut post were a couple supporting each other during a famine. And the other storyline was a school headmistress who reveals her love for her longtime partner. Martine McCutcheon's role was written just for her. At the time, she starred in the BBC drama EastEnders. And the writer-director wanted her to play the love interest of the Prime Minister. Um, so originally, the character's name in the movie was Martine. But he changed it to Natalie before the auditions so that she wouldn't get too cocky. So Laura Linney, Billy Bob Thornton, and Denise Richards all received letters asking them to be a part of the movie from the director and writer Richard Curtis. 
The actors had their own trailer park village during production. They used to joke that they were on Liam Neeson Way or Emma Thompson Road or Hugh Grant Avenue. Everyone also had the same size trailer. Emma Thompson shot her crying scene 12 times. This was the only scene that she was asked to perform that day. That would be emotional. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Hugh Grant didn't want to dance. He didn't want to do that dancing scene. He refused to rehearse the scene because he wanted the prime minister to be more of a grounded performance instead of a whimsical one. Uh, So this scene wasn't shot until the very final day. Rowan Atkinson's character, a.k.a. Mr. Bean, was meant to be an angel. He was initially written as a heavenly helper in disguise, but in the end, they didn't want to add that level of supernatural to the movie. Yeah, it would be stupid. Yes, I think it would give it a lot of cheese, for sure. The scene near the end where Sarah and Carl are in the office, and it's clear that they won't end up together, this was added after because test audiences wanted a clearer ending for them because of how things ended when she got the call from her brother. Richard Curtis always had it ending that they were never going to end up with each other, but the test audiences wanted a clearer picture of how they how they would end. So he added that last scene where he says Merry Christmas to her, and that's kind of just it. That's their storyline. That's it. That's it. Because mm-hmm. even that, I wasn't totally convinced. I thought that they still could end up together. So it's funny because it was actually originally going to end with him like leaving her apartment and that like her getting the call from her brother and her going to the going to see and her brother and him just leaving that on the cue cards that is really Andrew Lincoln's handwriting he had written all of those signs um in that unforgettable doorway declaration of love oh my god that that makes it even better if it wasn't <laughs> such a messed up scene i know uh, this movie has already been remade three times, one in Poland, one in India, and one in Japan. They've all used the intertwining love stories and the film's poster layout. Hmm, very interesting. Best scene. Yes, we, we kind of chatted about this before, but Prime Minister David. I actually can't remember his last name. Prime Minister David. <laughs> Hugh Grant. So near the end, he's on his search for Natalie, and he knows what street she lives on, but not which house it is. So he goes house to house and asks... Does Natalie live here? That's my <laughs> I like your British impression. accent. Yeah. Um, and when they inevitably say no, he tries to move on. But basically, everyone in some capacity either says like, "Hey, you're you're the prime minister," and he's like, "Yeah, hey, that's me." <laughs> um, some kids even tell him to sing some Christmas carols. Oh my god, yes. And in the most Hugh Grant way, like I think if Hugh Grant was the prime minister, he would react in the same way, where he's like, well, "I, I suppose I could." Please, sir, please. Well, I mean, I suppose I could. Please. All right. Good King And I I enjoyed it because so often like politicians in normal life, they're really mythical creatures especially in uh, american politics i find where like joe biden is walking around with like 50 secret service agents at all time whereas that moment felt more like what it is here in canada sometimes where um like our prime minister justin trudeau love or hate him don't want to dive into that but there were stories when he first got elected of how he would just go on like family canoe trips and people at their cottages would be hanging out on the dock and <laughs> Prime Minister Trudeau would kind of canoe up to them and be like, hello, everybody. And they're like, hey, you're the Prime Minister. And he'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Hi, hi how, how is everybody? And he'd, he'd go on hiking trips and people would be like, is that, is that the Prime Minister? And they'd be like, yeah, Prime Minister Trudeau is up on the summit there. He's just hanging out at the top. And it was just very, 
I don't know if it's real because those are obviously very unrealistic moments, but it is real to a point where <laughs> I don't know if this is a compliment to our prime minister, but I could see that happening to Justin Trudeau where he's like, hey, is, does Bob live here? And you're like, no, no, Justin. <laughs> I think he lives down the street, though. He's like, oh, OK, thanks. And just continues on kind of thing. I agree. It's actually I have two best scenes. They're both with Hugh Grant. Um, <laughs> however, I so really Hugh Grant just wins all of our best scenes. It's my favorite storyline, and I really liked him in this movie. Um, it, it is when he's going door to door, and he's he says to the older the older lady, "Oh, it's part of the service." Wishing, aren't you the prime minister? Uh, yes, in fact, I am. Merry Christmas. Oh, part of the service now. Trying to get around everyone by New Year's Eve. <laughs> it was such a funny little quip. <laughs> it, it was. Like, they were really funny scenes. And, you know, he's singing the Christmas carols to the little girls. And they are loving it. They are just jumping up and down, yelling at the top of their lungs. Yay! <laughs> um, the other best scene for me is when Hugh Grant dances in the house to jump by the Pointer Sisters. It's iconic for me. This is the other Wait, scene in the movie that is iconic to me. When that he, is the iconic scene? When he's scene? shaking his butt. Oh yes. my God! For me, really? that yes, when he's dancing and singing his heart out, for sure, that's iconic to me. I think of Love Actually. I think of Stop wait. It. I think of the cue cards. I think of Emma Thompson and crying, crying, <laughs> and I think of Hugh Grant dancing. Shut up! You I are, do. You're such a glutton for those romantic comedy cliches. You needed somebody <laughs> dancing along to a soundtrack at some point. I thought it was awesome. We didn't have a glamp up scene, so no. Sarah thought, "Well, what's the next best thing?" Oh, we we get. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Get Hugh Grant it dancing is, around. It is so fun. And he's even like singing along. You, What can't you love about that? I'll, it's amazing. I'll accept, it. I'll accept it. Honorable mentions. Honorable mention. John and Judy. Martin Freeman. Th that's yours? Yeah. He has a special kind of comedic quirk. And Joanna Page um, plays Judy. She plays off him really, really well. I'm actually so surprised that that's only his third role. At the time, yeah. Because his... His comedic timing is so Martin Freeman that it's, I guess he's always kind of been like that. I was going to say, he's just that good. It's funny that TV broadcasts cut them out because I actually had it written down here that they're only on camera for like five minutes. They get no total screen time. I almost feel like there were a lot of serious stories that mm -hmm. they just needed 45 seconds of these two just to bring the comedy back a little bit. And I love the contrast, like I said, of how awkward and shy they are while they are screen testing a porn shoot. So they're not actually doing porn, but the filmographer would say like, okay, John, why don't you fondle her breasts a little bit? Maybe, maybe give them a massage. And he's cupping her boobs and he's massaging them. <laughs> and yet they're having these really like cute, grounded conversations. Shy, yeah, conversations about, oh man, parking's horrible today, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice break in the more serious plot lines, and it goes to show that you can meet the love of your life doing anything. While fondling her breasts, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed those two. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, my honorable mention is how everything's connected. Can you explain so it to here me? Because I have no idea. Here we go. Karen, played by Emma Thompson, is the sister of the Prime Minister, David. Yes. Her husband, Emma Thompson's husband, Harry, played by Alan Rickman, works with Sarah, Laura Linney's character. Karen meets Natalie Martine at the children's Christmas concert. Also there is Daniel, Liam Neeson, and his stepson, Sam, played by Tom, Thomas Brody Sangster. Sarah is at the wedding of Juliet and Peter. Jamie, Colin Firth, and Aurelia 
meet up with Colin's friends when they come back to the U.S. from France. They meet up with Juliet, Mark, and Peter. Judy and John are engaged at the airport and know Colin Frizzle, the guy who goes to the U.S. Billy Mack and, the man- and his manager Joe are also at the airport as Uncle Bill is coming back from somewhere as well. Most of them are all at the airport coming home all at the same time. There's no connection to Carl other than he works with Sarah and Harry. Well, he works with Sarah and Harry. There's one last connection that you forgot about. Oh, no. What? Mia lives next door to <gasps> That's Natalie. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that one. What should have beens? What should have beens? So I think, like I said earlier with the holiday, I like the holiday because you can dive deeper into the connections of of the characters. Um, So I think that's, I know that there wasn't time, but I think I would have liked to had more info on the the smaller storylines. Oh my God. This is like a two hour movie. Yeah, I know. You wanted more? Well, everything was really quick. The real what should have been is that the airport scene with Sam, Liam Neeson's kid, It just shouldn't have happened. His story arc reaches its height, as we said, when he, an 11-year-old boy, does the classic running through the airport past security with all these security guards chasing after him. He got to the gate, so that's like four levels of airport security. This is not possible. Even when this, for when this movie came out, not possible. Also, how is this kid better at navigating an airport than I am at 11 years old? And finally, put that kid into track because he's outrunning <laughs> all of these grown men. How is how is any of this possible? He outran them so well that he had like a three-minute head start that he could just gawk. It's true. At that Joanna chick. Yeah, I don't really... It was unbelievable. Literally unbelievable. Sure was. Rewatchability. So in the holiday movie world, I have it as a 9.6 out of 10. Ooh, we're going to disagree about this right off the bat. Keep going, though. Do you have yours lower? Mine's a 10 in the holiday world. And a 9.6 in real world. Whoa, higher than this, the holiday? This is a great... Yes! Yeah, that was my argument off the top. I mean, a 9.6 in the holiday movie world is pretty good. This is like... like Because I picture he's not just not that into you. Really good movie. This one is well, a little bit more funny. So what is it? It's a 9.6. It's pretty close to perfect, in my opinion. In the normal rom-com world, I have it as an 8.4. I'm even giving it extra points for the cue card scene with Mark because I feel like it adds a little level of it's it's given us something more to argue about over this movie. Well, it's I, weird. I'm sticking to what I have it as. Okay, fair enough. We'll agree to disagree. And actually, totally. next episode we're gonna do a uh, roundup, a, a holiday special. It's gonna be the 2020 roundup of all of our scores. We're gonna go over things, decide, you know. If something should be higher or lower, mm-hmm. if we were too mean to a movie or too <laughs> yeah. easy on a movie. And yeah, that's what's on the way. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to us right now on Spotify, make sure you follow us. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a review. We really like reading those and we really like getting them. And follow us on Instagram at Rewind. Thanks for listening.